We have at any given time between five and 600 clinical trials open at wow. the James uh, for treating patients with various kinds of therapeutic uh, drugs, investigational agents. Um, we put a thousand patients a year on clinical trials at the James. This is the James Cancer-Free World Podcast. I'm Steve Wartenberg and my guest is John Hayes. John is a medical oncologist who treats patients with peritoneal cancers, which are cancers in the abdomen area. And he's also an expert in clinical trials, which is the topic of this podcast. Clinical trials are the foundation of cancer research and lead to the advances that result in better treatment options and outcomes for patients. John will fill us in on the basics of clinical trials, what's happening here at the James, some of the clinical trials he's involved in, and how and why comprehensive cancer centers like the James are leaders in this area. Welcome to the podcast, John. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Clinical trials are a big, important topic. We could probably talk for hours, but give us a quick overview on sort of what they are, how they start in the lab, and eventually get to patients in the different phases of clinical trials. Sure. I think clinical research is one of the foundations of what we do here at the James. I think it's um, uh, critical to what we can offer our patients that a lot of other places can't offer. Um, the idea of clinical research is, I, I, I think of it as twofold. I, I believe that clinical trials are there to help my patients personally. Um, but I also think that there's a side of it that they're there to help all patients, not just mine. And, and so the goal is to bring the best science, the best new medicines to my patients, but also to help evaluate those medicines so that at some point in the future they can be available for everyone if they, prov if they prove to be as effective as we want them to be. Yeah, clinical trials that are effective and are approved go out and become the standard of care. To everybody, that's correct. And they start, like, I, I, I think the word you said was clinical research. Yeah. And that's, so, that's, not always, that's not always doctors sometimes, but it's PhDs in labs mm -hmm. also working with some physicians, such as yourself. Mm -hmm. So I think almost every drug that's been developed started in a lab somewhere. And, and that can be in a dark corner trying to, to understand how a certain uh, chemical or molecule works against cancer cells and it works its way. And, it, and many times that research takes years and years before we even have a chance to, to test that with human beings. And, and I think it's important to understand that for all drugs that there's a huge lead time for, for drug development between when it's first being thought of as a possible drug to when it actually gets to being tested in human beings. Yeah, it's a decade or more. It, it can be, and, and sometimes even longer than that. And part of that reason is to make sure it's safe and effective mm -hmm. before you actually give it to people. I think there are two sides. We want to know, A, does it work against cancer cells? And so we can test that in the lab. And the other one is, is, does it, is it toxic against normal cells? Right. And so those are things that we can, we can at least get a preliminary idea of, of by using these agents in the lab. So there, before we talk about the phases mm -hmm. of clinical trials, I've, I've always believed, and perhaps you've heard this too, there's sort of a misconception that clinical trials are the last gasp effort when nothing else works this is what will get a patient on and 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 but that's not true no i i think that's actually a really good question and a really good point is I think there's a, a misconception in general that people think, oh, I have to try everything that's been approved or everything that's been looked at before I can even think about a clinical trial. The reality is we have clinical trials from 
yes, when patients have tried everything that could be approved and, and is useful, but also for frontline settings. When patients are newly diagnosed with cancer, we may have clinical trials that are looking at adding something to what is the standard of care to make the standard of care even better. And so we have trials ranging everything from the you know first line treatment for a cancer to 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 fifth or sixth or seventh or eighth line treatment for a cancer. And and the goal of of, of our clinical research here is that we have a little bit of those of all of those trials for all of our patients here. And and the James is a big cancer center, so that means we have a lot, a lot of trials yeah. going at any one time. I listened to a video of you as I was preparing for this, <laughs> and you talked about, you were very good. Yeah. <laughs> thank and, you, thank you, idea. <laughs> and you talked about how your job is to, gi is to give the patients the information they need for them to make the decisions, mm -hmm. not so much you. And is that must really be the case with clinical trials, I, that that's your job. It's most definitely. I think with clinical research in general, we have to be very careful and you don't ever want to present to a patient, you have to do this trial. Right. Um, again, the trials are there for the benefit of our patients, and we want to make sure that our patients are comfortable doing clinical research. And so I would never walk into one of my patients and say, you have to do this trial. There's always a decision in saying, here's an option, and that option is a clinical trial. If you don't want to do that, we have other things that we can do. But my goal is to help them make the best informed decision for their own care and to be there to answer whatever questions they have. And if, that, if they agree that they want to do a clinical trial, then our job is to support them 100% in that decision. So I'm sure a lot of patients ask you to explain the process of clinical trials and the phases of clinical trials, which can be a little confusing. What, yeah, what yes. are the different <laughs> phases and at what point does it get to patients here at the James? Yeah, I, I think the phases of clinical research are confusing to everybody, and the fact that they change on a somewhat regular basis as well makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, as we talked about earlier, you know, drugs can spend many years uh, in, in the preclinical space when we're in the laboratory trying to understand how these agents work before they ever get a chance to be tested in human beings. Once they're finally at that level of, of being ready for, for testing in human beings, we really started what's called a phase one trial. And a phase one trial is usually a first in human trial. Sometimes it can be a brand new drug. Sometimes it can be a combination of old drugs that have never been put together. But it's to really look at what the toxicities are of these drugs and maybe get some preliminary insights into how effective they can be. Um, once a drug makes it past the phase one trial, then we look at further development with phase two and phase three trials. And phase two trials are really designed to, to test how effective a drug is in a certain condition. And that may be a certain stage of cancer, a certain type of cancer, or many types of cancers that have the same genetic abnormality, let's say. Um, and if that trial is successful, then we go to what's called a phase three or a registration trial, which is usually in cancer uh, patients where we're testing that new drug or new combination against a standard combination to see is it as good as or better than what we already have available. Another misconception I've heard is that some people in clinical trials can get placebos, which are nothing. Mm -hmm. that, that's actually a very common misconception from my patients that will come see me in clinic and say, oh, I never thought about a clinical trial because I really didn't want to have the chance of getting nothing or getting a placebo. And, and when we design clinical trials, we're very careful to say that if we would never give somebody a placebo or give them nothing unless that was what was standard in their situation. If, if someone needs treatment, the standard arm of a clinical trial would be to give them that treatment. So you all, a patient will always either get the standard of care, which is the best available mm -hmm. FDA-approved medication, mm -hmm. drugs, treatment for mm -hmm. their cancer, or the new 
drug that's being tested in this phase three clinical trial. That is correct. And a couple of times you said clinical research instead of clinical trials. Is there a difference or... Not really a difference. There are some clinical research that may not be investigational drug trials, and I tend to use that term as an umbrella, unfortunately, and, and I should be a little more precise. Okay, well, I just want to make sure I no. wasn't missing something. And a lot of times clinical trials don't go on to FDA approval. Um, I think that's the other side of, of clinical trials and clinical research in general that many people don't understand is, you know, we talked about the lag time of the, the, or the amount of time in preclinical research. The number of trials that make it from phase one to phase three is less than 10%. Wow. And the number of trials that started a phase one and get approved is probably less than 1%. And so there's a lot of clinical trials and clinical research that we do that may not be come to fruition in the end for that specific agent and that specific indication. But one of our the goals that we when we run these trials is even if the trial is not successful and the drug works, but maybe not in everybody, did we learn something from that trial to better apply it to the next trial so that we can be more targeted in our approach? Right, it could lead to a whole new clinical mm -hmm. trial. And, and I think this is why, as you said, it could take a decade or more for these things because safety, safety, safety mm -hmm. for the patient, never doing anything that would endanger them or give them medicine that's less effective than what's already there mm -hmm. always is, is, comes first. That, that is 100% correct. We're gonna take a quick break and when we come back, we'll look at some specific clinical trials going on here at the James. In today's world, misinformation abounds, but at the Ohio State Health and Discovery website, we're addressing today's most relevant health, wellness, science, and research topics, all from the Ohio State experts you can trust. We're tapping into physicians, scientists, and thought leaders across our medical center and health sciences colleges to give you the deeper story behind the headlines and the truth about the topics affecting the health of individuals, society, and the world. Visit health.osu.edu today. We're back with John Hayes, the medical director of the James Clinical Trials Office. And I thought a good question would be, why should people enroll in clinical trials? What do you tell your patients? I think, unfortunately, cancer is a terrible diagnosis. And I wish I could tell all of my patients, we're going to cure you of whatever cancer you have. Um, it, unfortunately, that's not the case right. in many instances. And so what, we, what my goal is for my patients is I want to make them and help them live as long as they can with the best quality of life possible. And in many instances, I talk about clinical trials as being a part of that. We may not have lots of different drugs that are standard of care, and patients may go through the standard of care drugs and have toxicities that aren't great, and we want to be able to offer them a chance to do research that may help them, but may also help future generations dealing with cancer. And I think that's one of the incredible things about our patients is how willing they are to give of their own life and their own process and their own treatment to help people in the future that may develop the same disease that they have. And, and that's just something that uh, I will never, I, it's just amazing that our patients are willing to give that of themselves. Yeah, on another podcast, someone referred to people on clinical trials as, as heroes. They, they really are. And, and I think, you know, I can't imagine, as I've not personally been diagnosed with cancer, but I can't imagine, you know, being diagnosed with cancer and then 
being able to say, you know what, I know this cancer is terrible and has me, but I'm still going to see if I can help the next generation out. That's just a huge amount of give and a huge amount of, of, of being a hero. I mean, that, that's as much as anybody could ever ask for. It's incredible. Yeah, definitely. And interacting and working with those patients a lot is is pretty amazing it is i I, it's what i love doing about medicine is really doing these clinical trials and really helping our patients out and and having them help us out so let's talk a little about some of the clinical trials as medical director you have a idea of everything that's going on and and there's hundreds i believe here at the at the james but give us a quick overview of maybe a couple different areas or specialties that that are going on in terms of clinical trials so i think at the james we we try to keep every possible disease group and that's how we tend to subdivide our trials um give them enough trials that they feel like they have trials for all of the patients if if they want to if patients want to go on trial and we have at any given time between five and 600 clinical trials open at wow. the James uh, for treating patients with various kinds of therapeutic uh, drugs, investigational agents. Um, we put 1,000 patients a year on clinical trials at the James, and, and that's an incredible number and is one of the highest accruing centers in the United States when it comes to clinical research and, and clinical trials. And we're very proud of that. Um, but I think it, it's, it's a testament to our patients that are willing to come here and, and willing to see what we have to offer them that, that they, we couldn't do it without them. But that's one of the advantages and, and of a comprehensive cancer center connected to a, a cancer hospital is you have such a big staff, scientists, physicians. You have this, these, all these 500 or 600 clinical trials. Everything that anyone could is, it, that's out there is here. Mm-hmm. The James has been incredibly supportive and, and helps maintain a, a large clinical trials office that, that I'm lucky enough to get to, to, to help help manage. What are a couple examples of some of the clinical trials that you're looking at? So I think we have a a large portfolio of clinical trials that come from different places, and some of them come from our partners in industry, and some of them come from uh, cooperative groups in the National Cancer Institute, and some of them come from ideas that are born from laboratories in the James. And and I think we have really excellent research in all of those areas. Um, I always think it's nice to talk about the research that we have going on that are things that, ideas that we came up with, whether it was from labs at the James um, uh, or or that we came up with these ideas clinically and then and worked with our partners to, to help bring to our patients here that may only be available here at the James. Um, uh, is a couple of examples. One of my partners in, in gynecologic oncology, Dr. Flor Backus, has a trial that she initiated as a phase one trial uh, a few years ago that uh, has already been presented and published, but was successful enough that she was able to uh, bring sponsors in so that she could run this trial that's right now only available here at the James uh, for patients with ovarian and endometrial cancer using a novel combination of chemotherapy and, and immune therapy and targeted agents uh, that seems to be successful. What phase is that in? It's currently in a phase two trial. Another clinical trial I'd like to bring uh, bring up is one that, that's near and dear to my heart. And one of the things that I think is very special about the James is being a large comprehensive cancer center is we treat a lot of patients with very rare diseases. And uh, one example of that is mesothelioma. And many people have heard of mesothelioma because of the advertisements you see yeah. on TV. Um, but there's a type of mesothelioma called peritoneal mesothelioma. It only, may only affect 400 people in the United States a year 
but as a large tertiary referral center, we tend to see a number of them. And so there's a clinical trial that was developed through one of the large cooperative groups that we're one of the lead sites for. Um, that was specifically for patients with peritoneal mesothelioma. And we've already been able to enroll three or four patients on that trial this year here. And it offers a new combination of chemotherapy and targeted therapy and immune therapy in those patients. So these people who are coming here, they could come from all over the country? They could come from anywhere. And are they? <laughs> yeah, most definitely. And I think one of the kind of other exciting avenues from clinical research is for a long time, if you wanted to be on a clinical trial, you had to come here to get on that trial or go to your local cancer center if they had that trial available. And one of the things we're trying to work on now is can we offer decentralized clinical trials? It's a oh, large. No, you can say tell them. <laughs> so it's it's a large push from the the yeah. FDA right now is to really help develop decentralized trial uh, uh, infrastructure and and development. And while I don't know that anywhere is perfect on it just yet, as this is a new concept, we're definitely developing trials where. Our clinicians here at the James would be able to open a trial all over the state or even all over the country and be able to treat patients where they are instead of having them fly here all of the time. So using telemed and working with that person's local oncologist, that's how you do that? That, that is how that would that was how we would do that. And that sort of developed or at least got a, a push forward during COVID. It really did. I think COVID opened our eyes to how many things yeah. we could do at a distance. And I still, I, I don't ever want to downplay a physician-patient relationship and, and the things that we can learn from actually meeting and talking to someone and laying hands on someone. I think that's incredibly important. But I think the other side is we have to do what's in our best in, what's in the best interest of our patients and and if that means that we develop a hybrid relationship where we see you sometimes in person and sometimes we're able to make these visits done virtually uh, i think that's an important aspect of clinical research going forward so if i understand there could be someone in you have a clinical trial here that may not be anywhere else and there's a patient in Utah mm -hmm. that's perfect for this clinical trial, they may not be able to come here on a regular basis, maybe only once or never at all. Mm -hmm. And through telemedicine, that person could be enrolled in the trial. That is the hope. We're not at that stage just yet, but, but that's, that's definitely the hope. And, and I think that's where many of the governing bodies, as far as drug development, want everyone to go. I was going to end by asking you about the rewards of treating patients in clinical trials, which I'll get to in a second. But first, when we were talking before, I learned something about you that was pretty interesting. You didn't go directly to med school. Golf got in the way. <laughs> so kind of tell us real quickly your, your love of golf and then how eventually you got into med school and in oncology. So I, um, I had a little bit of a roundabout uh, pathway to get into medicine. Um, I, I went to college and played golf in college and was a chemistry major. And um, you say you were a scholarship golf player. Yes and no. I in golf there are only four scholarships for fifteen uh, for players, whole, yeah, <laughs> and partial, so it's yeah. uh, all of us kind of you know you're on the team or you're not, and yeah. usually a few people have scholarships. But I was able to play in college at a Division One college and had a great time. And when I finished up, I realized that if I didn't give it a chance, then I probably would look back and regret not having given it a try. So you mean give professional tried to, golf? Tried to get chance. out and play professional golf, and so played on a mini tour and. Uh, Unfortunately, was not particularly successful and, and realized very early on that, that my future likely lay elsewhere. And so I uh, met with a number of people trying to figure out what the right career path, and I knew I wanted to do research. And so I uh, figured that clinical and translational research was the way to go. And so I ended up in medical school and graduate school. And you are doing research on seeing patients <laughs> and running clinical trials. 
what, so what, what is it that motivates you to go above and beyond, create clinical trials, oversee clinical trials? I, I, there are many aspects to that. I think probably the driving factor for all of us as oncologists is we want to be there for our patients and, and to bring the newest and best things to our patients. And um, sometimes the best thing to do for our patients is to treat them with the drugs that we already have. Um, but many times it's to, to see what we have from a clinical research perspective or a clinical trials perspective to offer them the latest and greatest and newest things. And, and I think that as an academic and a clinical researcher, I love. But, but, but the real joy is sitting in a patient's room and talking to a patient and giving them the opportunity to participate in a clinical trial. And if that trial works for them, the fact that I could do this and bring them a drug that they probably couldn't get anywhere else is amazing. And, and that, that's what, one of the things I really love about doing clinical trials and clinical research. Well, thanks for filling us in about the importance and the basics of clinical trials, and they really are the way forward in treating cancer. Thank you for the opportunity to be here, and I definitely uh, am happy to talk about clinical research anytime. Well, we'll update this in a year or so. <laughs> Sounds we'll, great. We'll thanks. see what's going on. This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center, Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital, and Richard J. Solov Research Institute. For more information, check out our website, cancer.osu.edu.